the Babble Room, the podcast where we babble on about things that fascinate us and hopefully fascinate you too. Hi everyone, my name's Megan and today I'm joined with Emily. Hey guys! So today we are going to uh, talk about some weird origin stories for a few things that we have in our day-to-day life. The first we're going to talk about is the chainsaw. What do you know about chainsaws? I know they made movies about it. I know I know they made the Chainsaw Massacre, like a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot of movies about it. I've never actually seen those. Really? Are you serious right now? I don't like horror movies. I hate horror movies. I mean, yeah, that's fair. But like, I hate them, but I'm also very curious. So like, I watch them anyway. That's fair. And it is spooky season, so. Yeah. So okay, I'll give you that. I mean, there's a first time for everything, so you should try it. <laughs> oh, no, I would not, because then I will not sleep for, like, months. And I don't need that in my already very stressed and very, very short sleep. No. <laughs> okay, then. What else do you know about chainsaws? Like, what are they used for? To, to cut things. <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. I mean, to trim, to trim, like, uh, I don't know, okay. trees and, That's, and, yeah, trees so, and stuff, so, right? The main use of a chainsaw today is to cut down a tree, correct? Yes. Okay. Why Why do you think the chainsaw was invented? Because men were lazy. That's actually pretty spot on. <laughs> However. But I mean, like, by hand is like, I don't know. I Like, I guess it was, like, really rough doing it by hand. So, like, they were just like, well, okay. you know what? We can, you know, invent a mechanism or something. I'll give you a hint. It was not invented to cut down trees. It was invented as a medical device. <gasps> what the fuck are you kidding me? <laughs> no. No. So, and that, this is not even the good part. Oh, no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the images. The images. No. Are fuck. you ready for this? <laughs> so the chainsaw was originally invented as a medical device, as I've said. Okay. But it was invented as a medical device to assist during childbirth. Wait, what? Yeah. So before the cesarean section was invented, like if your baby was breached or if your body got stuck in the vaginal canal, you can deliver the baby and there was a very high mortality rate for women giving birth. So one of the things that they did is that they would take a saw, insert it in the woman giving birth Are you- and cut a piece of the pelvic bone so that the baby would have room to come out. Are you shitting me right now? completely serious completely completely serious oh my lord no Mm -hmm. oh this is so bad this is so gore Mm -hmm. (gasps) so the thing is like when you okay so keep in mind this is this is in the 1700s 1600s like this mechanical saw that we now know as a chainsaw was invented Uh in the 1780s so before then if you were giving birth and your baby was breached or if your baby got stuck because you know there are some big babies. Surgeons had to go in with a saw and manually saw the bones so that the baby would come out. But keep in mind, there's no anesthetic. You would probably bleed out while you were being delivered of this baby. And then putting it back to get like, how do you function after that? Right? So right? very high. <laughs> how do you function after that? You don't, right. you don't, you die. 
So before this new contraption was invented that we now know as the chainsaw, the doctors would go in with a manual blade. They would cut a piece of the pelvic bone, deliver the oh, baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without anesthetic. So oh. you can just, yeah, my legs <laughs> no. are clenching. It's not, oh. it's not great. Uh-uh. This resulted in a very obviously high mortality rate, right? Like, Oh, that's what they realized? Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so they're like, you know what? We should find a way to fix this, like to make this more efficient. So, you know what, Kevin? They all die, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't think it's because of me. It's clearly them. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. There's a lot of bleeding, and they all die. Why would that be? Why would that be? Because I inserted a saw in their vaginal canal. Oh, God. <laughs> There's going to be so many warnings on this episode. Right, okay. right. This go- yeah. If you're listening to this with kids, Please don't listen to it. I don't know. Or at work. Sorry yeah, about that. Like, mm-hmm. So two Scottish doctors, John Atkin and James Jeffrey, came up with this patent for what they called a chainsaw. So it's basically um, kind of what we see as a chainsaw today, but with a manual crank. So like something that you would turn and then you would have the blades kind of go around an oval shape. So instead of going in and manually sawing, they would insert the chainsaw into the patient, crank it, cut the bone. I know. Yeah. And then the baby would be more easily birthed and the mortality rate did go down. More easily birthed. Yeah, the baby would come. Yeah, because no, but the baby would come out easier because they went in but what about the mom what about the mother that's a thing it resulted in lower mortality rates because they were in and out much quicker and it was more efficient okay okay Uh so she was just like basically like Uh mown like a lawn (laughs) i mean the thing is though it's like when i first heard this obviously i was like like my entire insides shivered and i was like (laughs) right no right no because i have a lot of people close to me that work uh in landscaping that work outside that have worked with chainsaws before so i've i've grown up with a lot of chainsaws around me so the idea of that getting anywhere close to my body is like no texas chainsaw massacre that's that's exactly exactly it there you go yeah well you know what um the reality of the the real use of the chainsaw is like obviously more gore than the movies Mm-hmm. themselves and the movies yeah. were really go- like some of them were really gore but like honestly the real like reason why they invented the chains like mm-hmm. the chainsaw is like i don't know it, it's, it's even worse it's, see yeah it's way worse way i worse. don't need horror movies i have history i'm good yeah history is pretty gore sometimes eh? yeah so that was our first origin story well that was scary as fuck and we're gonna thank have you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And in this spooky season. In this spooky season, exactly. October. Yay! Let's dive into spooky things, gore things. Why not? I mean, the next ones. Okay, so you're gonna see that there's a running theme of um, women's health throughout this episode. I didn't want to say that at the beginning because I wanted you to have the surprise of the chainsaw because I feel okay. like that's just. You have to start with a big. That right? one was really intense. That one was really, really intense, to be honest. Yeah. So now, second origin story is okay. why do women give birth lying down? I feel like you might know this. Um, you know what? Like, I kind of know, kind of don't know, but like, 
my theory, I would, I will say mm-hmm. that I think that um, our bodies have changed through like um, years and evolutionary biology. Yeah, exactly. So like, I think that our body has like have changed so much that I'm like, I think that we cannot birth the same way as animals do anymore because our our pelvic, not our pelvic floor, but like our pelvic bones. Bones, exactly. The pelvic bones is like, um, it got smaller with the years. I, don't I mean, know. you're right and you're wrong. So yeah. evolutionary biology, when there's a change or a mutation in a species, that takes millions of years. So it wouldn't have changed so much because everywhere else in the world, I don't want to say everywhere else in the world, but most places around the world, women do not give birth lying down. It is only... Again, I don't want to speak in like absolutes, but it is mostly North American women that give birth lying down. Really? Mm-hmm. So that's not a thing. Okay. That's everywhere in the <laughs> world. So there is a position. There is a position that is evolutionarily advantages to giving birth. There is. Okay. However, it is not the lying down one. See, that, that gets me really curious because like I thought that most women worldwide we're just like giving birth laying down no but see we see that because our media is mostly north american yeah like in movies like just think about Grey's anatomy or think about any medical shows or like whenever you're watching a tv show and somebody's like in the middle of like i don't know in the middle of the mall she's like oh my god i'm giving birth my water broke and they just like Mm -hmm. lie her down on the floor like that's that's just what we see in the media so we just kind of assume that's what we did like i know for most of us, like that's how our mothers gave birth, right? And you just assume yeah. that that's how you do it. Well, not you know, it's so just much. Like, honestly, personally, internally, doesn't feel natural for me mm-hmm. to think about like women giving birth like lying down. Is it whiskey? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I just jinxed that I had whiskey before. <laughs> for people who didn't know, she took a shot of whiskey before this episode because yeah, I had not fun like, to be around. Right. Like what happened? You know what? Let's just, just tell them what happened. What happened is like I bought a brand new podcast kit and I installed it and then I tested it and it was absolutely fine. But you know what? Sound is uh, sound is really tricky, and sound has its way of um, making me really upset. So when 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 I set up the thing earlier to just to start the podcast with Meg, it fucked up. It, it did not it, work. It, it just like honestly, at like I'd been trying for forty five minutes, and it it just like it it died on me. So. So we so said, I took fuck a, it. So I took shots of whiskey because I was so upset. So I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> so this is how we cope as millennials in today's day and age. Can't fix something, get frustrated, take a shot. Works every or, time. Or a platter of cheese and charcuterie. Yes, charcuterie platter. That is yeah. a win-win for everyone. That is a millennial thing. Millennial mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get back into right. it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> let's get back into things. Let's get, let's get back into why do women give birth lying down? Why do they? So, bit of a history lesson because it wouldn't be one of my episodes of the podcast without a history lesson. Right. Surprise. So there is an ancient sculpture from Egypt that depicts Cleopatra. 
you know Cleopatra, of course. Yep. Yeah, I do know. Of course. Who that showed her kneeling while giving birth, uh, surrounded by five attendants. And this is a picture that I will put up on our show notes on the website. Uh, it's pretty interesting. So she was alive around approximately 69 to 30 BC. So this is more than 2,000 years ago. If we have this example of her giving birth, kneeling and not lying down, how did it change? Was that something that was done? Like commonly, is that just something that happened to her? And it was this weird story. So they decided to like sculpt it in the epitaph. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. We will find out. The story goes that the reason we give birth lying down is because there is a king. I'm going to let you guess who the king is because I'm pretty sure you know. There was a French king who enjoyed watching his wife and mistresses give birth. What? What? (laughs) What? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So there is a king, a French king, a very opulent king, who enjoyed watching his wives and mistresses give birth. And this kid had 22 children. So he had he had the opportunity to watch this. Was that was that it's a Louis. That? I'll tell that's, you it's a Louis. That's that's exactly what I was like. <laughs> I was like, I mean, was that one of the many Louis? <laughs> I'm pretty sure by it's any, a Louis. <laughs> by any chance, was that any of the Louis? <laughs> I'll take Louis for a hundred, Alex. All right. So it's a Louis. Mm-hmm. So according to Lauren Dundas, the professor of sociology, she wrote that prior to the reign of Louis the Fourteenth, Louis the Fourteenth, mm-hmm. the Sun King, right. the history of birthing indicates that upright birth positions were used extensively. So that means standing up, kneeling, where your back, where basically your spine is aligned with your pelvis, and you're standing. Okay, that would Since, make sense. Yes. So since Louis XIV reportedly, obviously this is not confirmed 100%, but the legend goes that he enjoyed watching women giving birth, but he became frustrated by the obscured view of birth when it occurred on a birthing stool and promoted the new reclined position. So he got frustrated because when women were giving birth on a birthing stool, and I'll put a picture of a birthing stool yeah. on our show notes, but it's basically this chair that has a hole in it. So that... oh. No, but like this is something that was commonly used by women all around the world. It's birthing chairs is something that was kind of, it was widely accepted. Like it was normal. You were okay. going to give birth, you had a birthing chair. So it's okay. basically this chair. Some of them had an angle, some of them didn't, but there's basically I, a hole. I, I, like I kind uh-huh. of have a question already. <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm, I just want to know, like, was it not, was it not dangerous for, um, for women to just like give birth into like a chair with a hole in it like was that I mean the chair wasn't how, how, 20 how, feet high no no but I know but like how would that not hurt the baby you know well, I mean there was somebody under like, catching it head on like no no but like it wasn't just side, like right? <laughs> it wasn't just birthing through a hole on like well, I don't know on like the stone floor like there was attendance there was midwives like there was blankets to catch the baby like it wasn't just I'm sorry I just assumed she was alone <laughs> by herself oh no, no. Wait, the king was watching I forgot the king was watching Come on, <laughs> the king like, was there so there's 30 right. other people I'm not gonna room. help you but like you you can give birth now because I'm watching and I like watching you giving birth but I'm yeah. not gonna <laughs> so but that's the thing right so he thought that he had an obstructed view of the birth because he couldn't 
quote unquote see it because she was sitting down and anyway you know what i mean right i don't have to what go into a, details about what it what a diva what a diva Louis. diva really that's the word you're going for i don't know my, my, <laughs> that's the word i had in mind listen, we all got our kinks we all got our things we're into but that one is a bit much for me that one that one's a bit it much. it is it was also reported that the king was a fan of the lying position and therefore the lower classes began to adopt it because if it was a trend put up by the king with his influence, everybody would try and copy him. So that's why it was popularized. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, I, sorry, I wasn't sure like saying wow or whoa or what. Or so no, I, stop, please stop. It's not because I would have think maybe it was more efficient, but no, it's just because one king had a kink. Yeah. Yeah. But to be like, to be fair, this is like, this has not been confirmed a hundred percent. Cause I don't think this is anything that could be like a hundred percent historically right, right. confirmed. Said, this like, is the, the popular theory. There's okay. also okay, another French obstetrician, François Morisseau who wrote in 1668 that he advocated for horizontal births. Okay. This is also the doctor that thought uh, being pregnant, he actually referred to being pregnant as a tumor of the belly and ha- as a medical illness. So the fact that he referred to pregnancies as quote-unquote medical problems kind of ushered out midwives who were really, like their job was to assist in mm-hmm. childbirth. So if something was... Uh, described as a medical illness or something that wasn't directly related to children, which obviously pregnancy and childbirth is. But if it was renamed, this paved the way for the barber surgeons to come in. And the role of barber surgeons is super important. I'm not going to get into it in this podcast, but if you want to look it up, super interesting. They were basically doctors, pharmacists, surgeons, and that's where we get the name barber for today so if you go to a barber today to get your haircut to get your beard shaved any of that those were originally the medieval surgeons interesting so fun fact but that's a quick overview not getting into that so basically overall we give birth lying down because a king had a kink and a king's popularity because- made it so that everybody wanted to try that's the reason, at least in North America, uh, that most women give birth lying down. However, basically anywhere that isn't North America, people will give birth in positions that are much more ergonomically <laughs> appropriate, if you want. It's like a lot of women will give birth. Um, some are squatting, some are kneeling, some are standing, some in birthing pools. So like lying mm-hmm. down is definitely not the norm. Uh, and it's not great for our bodies at all. Cause we don't have gravity helping us. Like when we're in a certain position, like right. standing the way that our pelvic bones, once again, I'm not a medical student. I don't know the exact terminology or the <laughs> I would exact just things. Guess that, you know, I'm a woman. So like, I would guess <laughs> that my body cannot flex in that position. <laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? So when you're standing and especially during, um, active labor, like your, your pelvis, yeah. will actually move. So when you're in a certain position, it'll give it more space, which will give more space to the baby and just be a better birthing experience. Right. My question for you, 
mm-hmm. is how would you give birth? Uh, definitely not lying down. That's what I've learned from my research on this. Don't want to do right. that. Nope. Uh, probably not in a birthing pool because I don't want to be swimming in my own fluids. Oh, That's really? a no from okay. me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, it would probably be standing or squatting or kneeling. Like it would, I would not be into it. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes or sense. I would not. I mean, I don't know. I still got loads of time to think about it, but like, yeah, no, I'm not pregnant. But- okay. So that was our second origin story. All right. I learned something. There you go. Learn something new every day. So third origin story is kind of a mix of both. So keeping in the same vein as women's health, we're going to talk about pads and tampons. Ooh. Fun, right? How fun. Going to talk a bit about pads, probably more about tampons, because the origin story of the pad is pretty common. A lot of people know about it. Okay. Do you know what I it don't. is? I know. Okay. I don't. I don't. I have no clue. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just bleeding and I'm using the stuff. I'm like. So before pads were commonly used, a lot of women, depending on their socioeconomic status, would use rags, old sheets, basically old things you had lying around the house to kind of try and stop the blood flow. So that's not very mm-hmm. sanitary. It's not very economic. And that's mm-hmm. like. That's if you had stuff lying around the house that you could leave, that you could use, sorry. So how, if you were- like, Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. How would like something that you have around the house, like a plant or a dog or a cat or like- Well, obviously plant, not like, that. Would, would not be economic. How would it be economic? No, but I'm saying like- if you, No, but I'm saying like, if you're of a certain socioeconomic status, so like if you're rich and you have the money to just buy sheets every month, use them oh. and then throw them out, that's great. But if you're of a lower class and you're poor, you can't just throw out rags every month. You have to use them, clean them, use them, clean them. And water wasn't sanitary back then. Like you could get very sick from water. So washing them in water wasn't great. So women probably had Fun a lot fact. of infections. Mm-hmm. Ew. Ew. First, mm-hmm. ew. And second, mm-hmm. fun fact, do you know that you can wash your own blood on clothing or cloth or any kind of fabric with your own saliva no ew yeah but how does that work have you tried this I am confused yet curious yet confused (laughs) I did first of all I did I did Uh try it oh no wait second it wasn't my menstrual blood Mm -hmm. it was just my I think it was nosebleed or just my lip Mm -hmm. bleeding Mm -hmm. because not menstrual blood, but someone told me in the past that you can, like, took up like um a blood stain on on fabric mm-hmm. with your own saliva, and I tried it, and it really works. And I think that is because a certain enzyme in your saliva is I don't know it, that's it's reacting to your to your to your blood or to to something in your blood. I don't I don't exactly I don't really remember. How it does it, but it does really work. So that's pretty cool. If there's anybody listening that has any knowledge about anything, please let us know because I'm very confused. I mean, I can look into it. It's just that I don't remember because I don't remember shit. I have the memory of a fish. That's true. That's true. But that's so interesting. No, I did not know that. Hmm. I mean, I go for the for the vinegar and salt method, but you know. Oh, see, I didn't know that one. (laughs) 
Oh yeah. Vinegar, salt overnight. You're good to go the next morning. Works great with red wine too. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I use like, usually I use cold water because. Well, that's, yeah. But, but you can only use it on a fresh blood stain. Yes. 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 Okay. Also, can we just get into how we, like how many methods we have to take blood out of things? All that to say, for women that could afford to have rags replaced every month and who had a higher economic status, there were mm-hmm. a few things that they had access to. So one of the things is called a hoser. Hoser? I'm Canadian. We say hoser. I don't know. It's H-O-O-S-I-E-R. I'll have a picture up of the show notes, but it's basically a sanitary belt. It's kind of, a, yeah, so it's a belt and it has a spot where you could put the rag. So that was That's one strange. option. There's also something called Lister's Towels, which was kind of a disposable option, but it wasn't very widespread. And once again, you had to have a very high socioeconomic uh, level to be able to afford these things. Okay. So the company that came onto the market, I'm sure you will recognize this, is Kotex. Right. Yeah, I do know Kotex. (laughs) I do know them. You do know Kotex. So Kotex came onto the market after the First World War with basically this new invention that we now know as PAD. This was a wartime invention. Bandages during the war were made using cellucotton, which is basically a thicker, more absorbent type of cotton that's made from wood pulp. Made of wood, but wood pulp. Just kind of like how paper is made of trees. This was made of wood pulp. And so they had a lot of this left over and they didn't really know how to market it or what to do with it. But there had been stories of women during the war using the extra cellucotton as menstrual pads because it was very, it was absorbent, it was disposable, it was easy Mm -hmm. to use. So after the war, Kotex came up with this patent for the sanitary pad. And the reason that people think that they were successful in making it more accessible is that because they had an amazing marketing campaign. And at the time, menstruation, well, I say at the time, even today, menstruation was not something that was talked about. It was very taboo. Like women in the same family could talk about it with each other, but you would never talk about it in public, in the household, and definitely not in advertisements. So Kotex kind of came out with these ads that were for the everyday woman, the active woman, the homemaker, basically appealed to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a few pictures of these ads on our show notes, but they're Ooh. really interesting. Like they're, they're old vintage ads and they never mention that the product is a sanitary pad, but it's kind of like everybody oh. knows what it is. Okay. I see. So this is how they, like they did a mass marketing campaign Wow. and this is how it got out into the world and they were affordable, which meant that more women could use it. Fun fact, the name Kotex comes from cotton like texture. Cot, tex, cotex. Okay. Little fun fact. So that was. That's really interesting. Yeah. So that's where pads come from. So basically, leftover bandage material from the war. How do we use it? How do we market it? Hey, half of the population has this thing that they have to deal with every month that they don't have very good solutions. Let's market towards them. And it worked. I mean, they made profits a lot. Oh my god, yeah, and Kotex is still one of the biggest companies out there today. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Mm -hmm. Still one of the biggest. Now we're on to tampons. All right. So what do you know about tampons? I know how to use them. Good job, good job. That's that's pretty much all we need to know about them, right? Right? Fun fact, tampons weren't always used for menstrual cycles. 
they were actually used in a variety of other ways, such as contraception, a method of healing, distributing medicine, really nothing to do specifically with the menstrual cycle. Okay. It was also, this is going to sound really wrong, but it was also kind of used as a plug to stop things from getting out. We have our first uh, depiction or description of tampons during the Egyptians and Roman period. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that, that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. No, this has been, this has been going on for millennia. Uh, okay. But basically, the idea of inserting a thing that's not a body part into your body <laughs> was probably first developed by the Egyptians. Or at least they're the first ones that wrote it down. So for them, it wasn't necessarily helping with the menstrual flow. It was basically used as a vaginal pessary. And a pessary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just very unsure of what you're going to say. I'm just I mean, I've talked about chainsaws. I've talked about giving birth lying down. Yeah. And inserting stuff into your body. So yes. So basically, a pessary is a prosthetic device that's inserted into the vagina for structural and pharmaceutical purposes. So it's commonly used to treat stress urinary incontinence, to stop urinary leakage and pelvic organ prolapse, basically to maintain the function of organs. Okay. So the Ebers papyrus, which is the first instance that we have of this, recommends helping a woman with unusual discharge by crushing up earth from the Nile with honey and galena and putting it inside of wad of linen and inserting it inside of her and leaving it there. So that's always great for yeast infections. Yeah. That, that just makes, makes me uncomfortable hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And here's the fun part. Pessaries, the thing that you insert for uh, medical purposes, is usually made of elephant or crocodile dung. <laughs> yeah. So that's Ooh. fun. And pessaries can be soaked in a variety of things. Like in this instance, it was honey and galena, but it can also be everything from goose fat to opium. Okay. That, okay. They weren't used for menstrual purposes. They were used for medicine. They were used yeah. medical for medical. So not really the tampon as we know it, but the insertion of something inside a body. Then we yeah. go to fourth century India where we have rock salt tampons. So according to Nellie Stromquist's Women in the Third World, fourth century Sanskrit texts like the Kama Sutra, which I'm sure everybody's heard of, recommended the use of tampons made out of oil and rock salt as contraceptive devices. The thing is, this was really effective because rock salt is is a lethal spermicide. And even in a solution of 8%, it will destroy every sperm in sight. However, you're huh. still inserting rock salt into yeah. your vagina. Yeah. That shit burns. <laughs> but they didn't know why it worked. They just knew that it worked as a contraceptive. Yeah, that sounds pretty dangerous, but sure. I mean, they had what they had, right? Exactly. And then we go to ancient Japan. This is more of a legend than confirmed. But okay. it was rumored that women use tampons made of paper that were held in place by a bandage called comma. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty ineffective and they were thought to have to be changed 12 times a day. Oh boy. Yeah. And it was, there was kind of this um, class association with it. So like the upper classes would never have used this. 
but the prostitutes were rumored to have used this. So it wasn't necessarily something that was commonly used, but it was written down. And we do think that this is kind of like the first instance of tampons for menstrual use. But then again, it's a legend. Who knows? You'd have to take everything from history with a grain of salt. Right. In your vagina. A grain of salt in your vagina. <laughs> if you're from in fourth century India. Yes. <laughs> from your rock salt. There's also this theory uh, surrounding medieval Europe that women used blood moss, which is a European plant, uh, with pretty unique estrogen and blood-stopping qualities. So we, there's kind of this theory floating in the round that they were using that probably as a tampon form, but as a menstrual aid. Okay. And that brings us to today, where the modern tampons kind of start appearing in the 19th century. So in his treatises, Illustrations and Proof on the Principle of Population, published in 1822, the English thinker Francis Place advocated a tampon for contraception in the same vein as a sponge. So usually you would put a sponge in to kind of use this contraception to make sure that nothing went and got fertilized, which even today you can use a spermicide sponge as a contraceptive method. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of the same ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the first tampon as we would know it today didn't appear until the 20th century. And this is when we had the appearance of the tampon with applicator and without applicator with the now famous brand Tampax. So, temp wait. Tampax was the first one who invented like the the tampon as we know it now. Is that it? So, as we know it now. So, they are the ones that had the applicator tampon. So, the one that comes like with an applicator that you kind of you insert and yeah. then you you push the on the applicator. The cardboard one, the cardboard Exactly. The the card the, the really the really horrible cardboard one. Yeah, that I one. I mean, I think we're Honestly, guys, I think we're old enough that we, I don't know, like, I don't know about, I don't know who's going to listen to that podcast, but like, I think Meg and I are old enough when we first started with that. Oh my God. It was horrible. Oh, they were not fun. And they were, oh, yeah. No, it freaking hurt. Like cardboard applicators, really? Thank God for the modern plastic one. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember when the first plastic applicator came out and it was like life fucking aid like this is going to be so much easier yeah so that's the history of tampons yay so today we've covered quite a few extensive topics about women's health from the invention of the chainsaw which was invented to help in childbirth to the reason why most north american women give birth lying down king had a king to the origin stories of tampons and pads. What did you learn today? I learned the origin of everything. Apparently, re- like everything you said related to women's health, because those were all stuff that I didn't know. I love how your answer was so political because you basically said what I asked you in different words without giving me an answer. <laughs> See, I'll be a really good politician. Do you even want to be a politician? Absolutely not. I'm an artist. So basically what we learned today is we are incredibly lucky to live in the modern day and age that we do and to have access to modern medicine and modern amenities. Because let me tell you, if I ever give birth, I will be fucking thankful that there is no chainsaw in the room. Right. Don't forget to not lay down while giving birth. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. We're so happy that you're on this journey with us and we can't wait to talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.